Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps, an audio postcard from the fabulous Las Vegas Strip. I'm Stephen Maggi. This weekend, we continue our conversation with the great Vinny Adnolfi, leader of the very popular Bronx Wanderers, one of the most popular shows on the Strip. You can see the show almost any night of the week at Harris. And you will meet one of the true movers and shakers in Las Vegas that has turned around the Neonopolis in downtown from an empty mall to one of the hot spots in Vegas. And as always, our regulars are here as well. Your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is back with a recommendation for you to get great chicken tenders and wonderful cocktails. Gady Madrano from Flipping Vegas is back as well. It's a great time to sell your property, but what about for the buyer? Should they be willing to pay over the list price? We'll ask Gady. The Wizard of Odds, Michael Shackelford, is here as well. Today, Michael will tell you about the odds with single zero roulette. Finally, Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier, is back with his favorite wine spots. Last week, he talked about France. Today, he takes a look at Italy and Greece. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go tonight. Let's go to Vegas. We'll stay up all night. In Las Vegas, sometimes places just don't live up to what was promised, you know, and there was a really disappointing place in downtown, Ninopolis. It looks great and so forth, and somehow there were struggles. I know uh, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin, talked about it a lot, but alas, there is a change here, and things are looking really good, and we're talking to the man responsible for that, Rohit Joshi. Rohit, what happened? I mean, I, I know for a while here, this was a really kind of a disappointment for downtown, but you've turned it around. What, did, what happened? Well, I think downtown, in any downtown in the country, uh, there is a little bit of uh, commercial activity and there are some cities in which there is no commercial activity. I think downtown Las Vegas, because there is a big giant on the strip, which is majority of the hotels are there, about 120,000 rooms are on the strip. Compared to that, only 10,000 rooms are in the downtown Las Vegas area. So there is not enough critical mass of any commercial activity. Therefore, the downtown has never really done well, but that's true throughout the world and in this country. But more so in downtown Las Vegas because there is a a huge uh, giant sitting there at the Las Vegas Strip. But what happened really is that when uh, three different mayors, you should keep in mind in the uh, latest... uh, historic events that happened in downtown Las Vegas. It's Jan Jones who started the whole redevelopment agency. There was no agency called redevelopment agency until Jan Jones was the mayor and she created it. And they decided to revitalize downtown to make it better for tourism. Now locals, the problem is in, in Las Vegas, the suburban area is very, very strong. So all the commercial, retail activity, residential developments are all going into suburban area, and they are very affordable. Thus, there is no reason to come into downtown for residential or commercial. 
and that kind of left downtown alone for a long time. Jan Jones, the mayor, tried to bring that all back and established the redevelopment agency. Thereafter, it was Oscar Goodman who took it over, and he really diligently worked on it. And his great luck at the end of his uh, term was to bring Zappos into the downtown area, which is a division of Amazon, with about a couple of thousand employees, all millennials. And they, their whole idea and the concept was live, work, play. And I think with that working, which was an old city hall they acquired, and they bought about... Um, hundreds of millions of dollars of properties uh, slightly east of our building, Neonapolis, which is in the center of the entire universe of downtown. And uh, he started putting a lot of money into startup projects, restaurants, bars, uh, technology sector. And I think that started growing immensely since 2011 after the uh, recession. And uh, it just took off. I think that with a cultural corridor, the medical corridor, the legislative corridor, the Fremont Street Experience Corridor, uh, Hotel Corridor, all these things merged in downtown. Everybody started investing capital. The best thing happened in the last three years is the establishment by Donald Trump of the Opportunity Zone. And that means that people are now investing more money for not paying capital gain tax. So everybody's eyes are in downtown right now for buying or remodeling or creating uh, commercial projects or any mainly commercial projects for capital gain. So we've had now uh, three different offers for the offer uh, for the building for such large amounts that is unfathomable. It is something I never expected uh, pre-Trump era. Although we always had Instead of the opportunity zone, we had enterprise district, and we were offering same kind of incentives for people to come in and invest capital. Other thing is that to grow, what do you grow downtown with? We already have a casino corridor, which is which has about 10,000 rooms, about 17,000 slots, and over 5,000 gaming tables as of right now. Something phenomenal is happening in that in the last year. Our king of downtown today, and it changes every few years, is Derek Stevens. And Derek Stevens started with uh, his investment with his family, his brother and his family, at the Golden Gate. Uh, he bought out, he's 100% owner now, and he's done very well with it. Second was Derek uh, Stevens bought the D, which used to be Fitzgerald, with about 677 rooms, and he's remodeled that and doing better than anybody before him. It was Don Barden that owned that project from Detroit, Michigan. But uh, he was in Detroit and never paid attention here. Uh, third thing he did, he first bought the interest in the Las Vegas 51 baseball team. And uh, thereafter, he also bought the Rivieras, uh, less than 10% of the Riviera Hotel. So he got himself really attuned to what Las Vegas is for the community as well as for the gaming. And the last is he's building now uh, a major project called Circa, sports betting uh, oriented casino with about seven, 800 rooms. And he's building some parking garages. It was announced just today morning that he's building a warehouse on Maine at Washington. Uh, and it's gonna be a warehouse for serving all his properties. Uh, and I think so he's investing his all his capital into downtown, God bless him. And then on the other side of the railroad track going west of the Fremont, there is a 61 acres where he's building another casino. So he, he's got his eyes on downtown and expansion for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, Marriott has signed two hotels on the 
very close to the other side of the railroad tracks. Uh, the three other casinos are under construction for remodeling right now on Ogden Avenue, which is the Fremont Hotel, the Binion Hotel, which has got a new division called Ap Apache Hotels, and the third one is the Grand Hotel. With all that happening on Ogden, even though the pedestrian traffic is the majority of that is on Fremont Street, vehicular traffic is now on the Ogden Avenue for the next five years. More with property developer Rohit Yoshi of Neonopolis in just a moment. Time now for your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Looking for the next hot spot in Vegas? Well, let's ask Scott. This place, Whiskey Liquor Up, I love the name of it. It sounds like you can go in there and for a minimal amount of money have some incredible appetizers. Just seems like a pretty good place. Where is it and why should we go there or not go there? So the joke is, of course, uh, Binion's has always had this sign up where it's uh, liquor in the front, poker in the back. That's because they have their poker room in the back area of the casino. So it's obviously not your grandparents' Binion's. Uh, it's a lot sassier, and Whiskey Liquor Up is an extension of that. New restaurant, new bar. They have the only revolving bar in Las Vegas. It's based on one uh, in New Orleans. It is so much fun. Uh, and whether you sit at the revolving bar or not, they actually have four video poker machines at the bar, which they installed because I was complaining that they didn't have any video poker. Uh, so they put those in. But mainly it's really about the drinking and the dining. And they have the best chicken tenders in Vegas. They they do something that's actually quite rare at Vegas casinos now. They do a long free pour. Uh, a lot of casinos now will use a shot glass or a jigger, as it's called, in the biz, and it limits your amount of alcohol in your drink, like 1.25 ounces of blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, this is a new offering. It's a beautiful uh, way to see Fremont Street Experience and the new Viva Vision Canopy, but really you have to try the Chicken Denders. Uh, it's my top recommendation in Vegas in the mo at the moment. Absolutely delicious. Scott will be back again next week. Remember to check out VitalVegas.com all the time. When it comes to Vegas, Scott's the best for the inside information you need. You can also follow Vital Vegas on social media. More with property developer Rohit Yoshi of Neonopolis in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Rohit Joshi, the man behind the revival of Neonopolis. We are located on Las Vegas Boulevard on Fremont and Ogden, which is the highest rated uh, pedestrian traffic and vehicular traffic. So it's a phenomenal site. It's the center of universe for downtown Neonopolis. It wasn't... Uh, meant to be what it was designed for. I think it opened uh, in 2002. It was constructed within year 2000-2001. And it was supposed to be the dumping grounds for the existing casinos because they didn't have any room for retail and other activities because they were older casinos and there just wasn't enough room because the market has changed from gaming into entertainment. 
and attractions. And that's something that requires a lot of space. So Jan Jones' idea was to create Neonapolis and say, let's put up all the uh, activities that casinos cannot put because of lack of space. Put that into one building and let's, let's call it the Metropolis of Neon Lights. And therefore the name Neonapolis. At, after opening, it was uh, owned by a Prudential Insurance Company. And uh, half of the property was already leased to Jillian's and Ted Mann's Theatres. Uh, with those two uh, tenants signed for over 120,000 square feet, it was a half of the uh, building. So he got the loan from Prudential to build this project. His name was Jonathan Snowden, a very close friend of mine. And we were both uh, against each other to develop this property. He won, uh, unfortunately, because uh, after signing these two leases and he finished construction, uh, these two tenants went into bankruptcy. So he had to get out and go. So it just started out with a wrong, false premise of signing tenants that were not capable of enduring their longevity. So with that said, uh, he just left because it was a non-recourse loan, left the city with a parking garage and a uh, project with Prudential, and they called me. They wanted to see, see if I can come back. But instead, I suggested they take some of employees' that could re uh, revive this project, and they did. There were two sisters, Shardell Stevens was her name, and she occupied offices here, and she leased everything except that uh, it was a management agreement with all the tenants so that they don't pay rent. We paid them salaries to continue to operate the businesses, and Prudential said that's not our business. It's nobody's business, but that's the only way you could lease in downtown uh, pre-2007. And at that time, uh, there was nobody paying rent. So when I walked in again, a third time to buy the property, I did buy it once, but I had a tenant that was not acceptable to the city and to the uh, law agencies. And because of that, we, I backed off and uh, couldn't do the deal in, for, for this project. And after a year, they came back to me, offered me a better deal. So I bought the property for whatever I can do, create a magic. By the way, I could not create a magic. It was very difficult. Downtowns are difficult. Uh, and this downtown especially uh, was extra difficult for any developer to do anything. Because but you know, you've really made some changes here, though. It's vibrant now. I mean, it, it, was it just a matter of getting the right people in? I mean, Gene Woods Racing downstairs. You've, you've got a museum over here. It's kind of exciting. And I, Woods told me that you've got like 95% of this place rented. Right. And I think what we had to concentrate on was instead of retail, like what Jan Jones had proposed, uh, we changed and wore a different hat, which was primarily food, beverage, entertainment attractions. So we created those four, the pillars of our building, and said, can we concentrate on that? And the reason is because we bought it at a price that we could afford and stay with it for a long time, we could have that luxury of saying, let's uh, just wait and get the right thematic approach to what the project should be and convert it into something could be a success story that could be repeated all over the country in urban settings. So first thing we did was the food and beverage. If you see the front of Fremont Street, we got Denny's and the Heart Attack Grill, the Couscous, a Mediterranean alternative, and a Mexican, Asian, and uh, Italian food court 
by international eatery, those food, food purveyors, four of them, are doing so well that it pays off in rent all my expenses, which really surprised me because it is not just the minimum rent but also the percentage rent of whatever they sell. In addition, we've got a phenomenal brewery for the millennials, a craft brewery, and they've got a couple of drinks. One is called jalapeno beer. Another is called watermelon beer, which has become a very famous staple for the millennials in downtown and on the social media. And I think that's the key. Social media started buzzing with this project called Neonapolis. And that brought more uh, attention to our project. And in that, we've got two tenants who are television celebrities from the Pawn Stars, Rick Harrison, who created this phenomenal project on television, his toy appraiser and sports appraiser became a, our tenants who are rock stars because everybody who comes to see Rick Harrison's Pawn Star, and we met him, and I created a project uh, with uh, Rick and with my two tenants to create a bus service between Rick Harrison, Rick Dale, and Neonapolis. And by doing that, we are getting 600 to 1,000 people a day more with Rohit Yoshi of Neonopolis in just a few moments. Time now for Luxury Living Vegas Style, featuring the star of Flipping Vegas, Gady Madrano. Should they people like stretch their finance a bit, or would it, is it kind of better advice to kind of wait a little and say, hey, maybe come back? Because I know there's sometimes where you see, the, and you, you talked about some offers, you'll see five, ten offers on a particular property over and above what was actually asked. So that's going to come down to value. That that can't. That's not an easy question to answer because there's a property, for instance, that yeah, it has you know 10k above listed you know, above list price, but the value is 10K above that, you know? So like you have to actually understand value or reversely, there's a property that's, you know, overpriced. The list price is unrealistic, but you love it. Hey, maybe it's not ideal to go in at list price when you otherwise would on a different property. So what it's going to come down to is actually knowing and being able to assess value in order to put in a correct offer that's actually where you're actually winning, <laughs> where you're actually walking in and it's going to appreciate or you're, preferably you're walking in with some equity or some way to put in equity into that property because you should love the home if you're going to live in it for sure. Like it should work for your lifestyle, but you should also treat it as treat it as an investment property and be, try to be as objective as possible. So you should, you should have both of those things working in tandem to, to, to buy the right property. You can see Gady on Flipping Vegas on the DIY network, and you can contact her at gatyrealestate.com. Do you want to get in better shape? That's never easy, but if you contact FitFab2020 at gmail.com, they're going to make it easy for you and simple to follow as well. This program will help you achieve your goals without costing you a small fortune. they got many options to address your individual needs, so check it out by simply reaching out to Christine at FitFab2020 at gmail.com. That's FitFab2020 at gmail.com. More with Rohit Yoshi of Neonopolis in just a few moments. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manji nationwide on the BizTalk Radio Network. Hi, I'm Gordy Brown, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Today's show is brought to you in part by 360DebtFree.com. We've been taught that a 30-year mortgage is necessary if we want to own a home. But that's simply not true. You can have all of your debts, including your mortgage, paid off in five to seven years. Find out how. Go to 360debtfree.com and get your free ebook, Turn Your Debt Into Wealth. That's 360debtfree.com. You are listening to property developer Rohit Yoshi of Neonopolis, a wonderful place with a variety of shops and entertainment venues. I'm listening to you, and I'm getting excited. And I think it, you mentioned Derek Stevens before. You, men, you mentioned uh, Zappos. You're right in there with that. It, it's a different way of thinking. And that's why I think while the Strip has kind of been flat for a while, downtown, and again, as you mentioned before, it's a much smaller portion of the economy. But you guys are on a roll, and it makes sense. It, it, it's just kind of – you just approach this where you had to think differently from what had been done in the past, you know, going back into the 20th century. For sure. And you know something, one thing we cannot forget is the city of Las Vegas. And what they've done is created an innovation center for the whole downtown area to bring new ideas. Uh, They're expanding into technology that no other city can match. They've employed uh, very good people from Google and other major companies for downtown to explode into innovation. So I believe that they are forward thinking. They've done a lot of work. They've planted the right seeds. And I think we have to just wait, keep working with the city and their uh, dreams of grandeur and whatever they want to do. On the Strip, because it's worthwhile for people... I think downtown has become kind of a must-visit now, whereas before, you know, you just you played around and you stayed on the Strip. Hey, people that are staying there, that's all great, but they need to spend at least a day out here, maybe more. Sure, and I think it's a good idea you had. Uh, some of my tenants already have done it to make a relationship with the concierge in major hotels of MGM, uh, Caesars, the Wynn, and the Adelsons. But when you... For example, the, we had a, one of the largest gay clubs, Crave and Drink and Drag, in our building uh, during the recession period. And Zappo was, by the way, the partnership with those clubs. And they went to the s- strip with the concierge and created a, a, a cooperative relationship because there was no venue for the LGBTQ community, community on the strip. We were the first one to create it. So they wanted to have their customers for that experience to be at Neonapolis. So yes, for a specific tenant, they themselves create the collateralized relationship with casino owners on uh, bringing that customer base here and we take our customer base there. Sometimes the place is suffering the most is the place where you can really make a difference. And this is really... If you looked at a map, this is dead center of downtown, and as downtown continues to explode, and you kind of thinking out of the box, this has to look really good for the next 10, 20 years and so forth. I think you're totally right. When I first purchased the property, I only saw the building on the first floor from the breezeway of Las Vegas Boulevard. I never went inside the project, and I just bought it because of one simple reason, location. It was Las Vegas Boulevard at Fremont Street. Anything you can buy, uh, you go to uh, 42nd and uh, Park Avenue in Manhattan, you can go better than that in the world. Or if you go to Ginza Street uh, in uh, 
in uh, Tokyo, you can't get better than that anywhere in the world or Bond Street in London and so forth. So I think that when you come to downtown Las Vegas, it is the location, the Fremont at Las Vegas Boulevard. But now, as I said earlier, the other streets are becoming important, the 4th and the Ogden. So I think we are uh, really in a right location at the right time with the right demographics of millennials entering the market. And the future looks good now. Because if we are successful in putting some of the better attractions, uh, entertainment venues, food and beverage menus, and believe me, we have tried when the Food Channel became available on television by clicking it, we went to Food Channel, we talked to all the chefs, we tried to bring them in, nobody wanted to come to downtown. After Zappos came in, everything changed. Because he was the guy who says, I'll put up the money where Joshi won't put it up. (laughs) So Zappos put up all the money, because he's a startup guy. They understand startups. We are old, has-been developers. We don't believe in startups. We want tenant to put up the money. And by the way, we have not put up any capital whatsoever, even a dollar, towards any tenant with 97% leased. They have themselves put up their money because I have always believed if you have your skin in the deal, you'll always sustain and you will survive. And I think the same thing with me. If you don't have your own capital, uh, in the recession time, I would have folded up, given it to the lender, and go back home. So that's what it's all about. You really get marketing. I mean, you were, I'm going to call you the Mr. Selfridge, of, uh, you know, who's famous, of course, in London, coming in and just changing the way they do business. And, you know, it's, it's funny. In this town, one of the frustrations Las Vegas had, they're great marketing, but they've had trouble with millennials. But you seem to kind of be capturing that and finding a way to get these people in, again, by doing things a little differently than have been done in Vegas before. And I think that's what uh, developers are doing now all over the world. All the malls are dying right now, the retail malls, with the Macy's and the Sears Pennies and Dillard's and uh, whatever the department stores, including Nordstrom's now or Bonnevet Teller or Lourdes and Taylor. All of them are going on online and they can't figure out how to bring people in the malls. In this town, I have been going to malls every weekend, sitting, trying to understand what happened. Because I grew up in the growth of those shopping malls. And it's really sad to see that on a Saturday, Sunday, at prime time of shopping, you see more floor than the feet. There are no, no people coming to these malls. I mean, totally vacated. There are no customers. And if you go to any department stores, there are more employees than customers. And I think they're all available. They're all trying to figure out what to do. And I think we are in the forefront right now that if you go through these four pillars of food, beverage, attractions, and entertainment, you may be able to survive, sustain, and succeed. I think that you can do all that. And if we are successful, what I think I plan to do is that we could teach all the cities of downtown and the urban decaying cores to say there is a chance for the creating a very sophisticated project with these elements plus if you can get into the LGBTQ and the museum and the art and all that, combine it. The problem with all those things are like the art and the culture and so forth, there's no money in it. Yeah. you got to combine those things with those that make money and somehow you have a successful recipe. But I thank you very much for this interview and anything that I can help you with regarding downtown or Niena, please, I'm your guest. 
Have you been portnoyed yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? Well, you know, Mona Van something. She's a psychic. Her name just slips me at the moment. At one of my networking events said, you know, you're nobody in Vegas until you've been portnoyed. I went, ooh, I kind of like that. So we started marketing, doing those portrait caricatures, and it's really caught on. Everybody wants to be portnoyed. And what portnoyed means is you send me a photograph, and I do a realistic cartoon caricature. Realistic looks just like you. And then I cartoon the body. And you then become part of the Portnoyd Wall of Honor here at Portnoy Gallery, which now, since its inception in 2017, has got over 60 members on the wall. It's the new Sardis of Las Vegas. Absolutely. Our own John, the announcer, is there. How do we get information we want to get Portnoyd? Uh, you can call the gallery at 702-685-2929 or on social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery, Artist Neil Portnoy, Neil Portnoy, idropeople.com, and probably about six other places that, at my age, memory is the second thing that goes. Time now for statistician, actuary, and expert in gaming odds and probabilities, the wizard of odds, Michael Shackelford. Today, Michael talks about roulette, specifically single zero roulette. You can get better odds in single zero roulette. You can cut that 5.26% house advantage to 2.70%. So if you're comfortable with the higher limits in single zero, by all means play that instead. And even better than that, some of the high limit rooms in Vegas charge, you'll only lose half on even money bets if the ball lands in zero. That cuts it down to 1.35%, but then only stick to the even money bets. So I had to say that. The Wizard returns again next week with more advice. When you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do. And I think one thing you got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas, but by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. It's a lot of fun. The staff there is incredible. Really unique Las Vegas experience. So you can learn the history and have a blast. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. There are great shows in Vegas that are here all the time that you really need to see. And one of the very, very best is the Bronx Wanderers. Our guest today, Vinny Adonolfi. Now, is that the right pronunciation? That's right. Very good, Steve. Yeah, we That's Italians, great. Italians, we got to stick together. <laughs> but we'll, we'll call him, you know, Vinny of the Bronx Wanderers. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned Brian Setzer before. Yeah. What do you think about a guy that played with the Stray Cats and then could take that and all of a sudden go with an orchestra thing, and yeah. play big band? Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's all about entertaining. And when you think about what he does on a stage, he comes off that stage, did I give them their money's worth? Yeah. Did I entertain them? Yeah, I did. And to reinvent yourself with the big band thing, it's now, he's got three careers going. He's got Brian Setzer, he's got Stray Cats, which he's now just did a, a new album with them. And then he's got the Christmas show, which will probably be out in a month or so, Fantastic. that he'll go out with the big band. That's probably the best Christmas show out there. So is your son... 
tries to take it to the next level. Yeah. Are you trying to work on kind of going where that's going to go, you know, in terms of my, songwriting? My sad, yeah, my sad point for him would be uh, is just I wish I had the contacts I had right. years ago. But everybody that I knew that was anybody, they're, they've all retired now. Right. And it's, it's a different music business now. So it's a tougher road for him now because now with YouTube and Facebook and there was no music business anymore. You know, when I was growing up, there was like two or three radio stations. You'd go to hear that to see what the top records were. You'd go to Billboard. This is the top 100. And you'd go to the local record store and there'd be a record band and these are the top 100 singles. And yeah. you'd buy them. And now it's like some guy just in his home records a song. Boom, there's a million hits on the internet. And somebody throws something out, boom, million hits. I mean, I, I personally, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, the American Idol machine thing because I think it kind of hurts the kids in the long run. You know, you take them to the top of the mountain without having paid their dues and without the grind and, and knowing how to get from here to here. You just thrust them on top of the mountain. They're now the biggest stars on the planet for, for 15 minutes of whatever the season is. And then at the end of the season, you take them on the road and then you throw them to the side. Yeah. And where are they? You know, and if you look at all the years later of American Idol, I mean, you've got Kelly Clarkson, you've got uh, Carrie Underwood. You know, you've got your four or five people that have really broken through that have sustained and been amazing. But, but what about the hundred other kids that you like who are on drugs now or who are just destroyed now because they could never get back to that top of the mountain again because you gave them that illusion, you know, for your, for your 10 minutes of... You know, it it's was like all about the ratings. Sword now, right? Because on the one hand, you can get your music out where before, you know, you could you yeah. could hit a door in your face. Now you can get it out. Right. But on the other hand, so can everybody else. And right. it's hard to separate yourself. Yeah. I mean, I would love, I mean, more than anything, I would be absolutely thrilled to be the Vegas act in town, the father of the Jonas Brothers. You know, I would, right. I would love Vinny and, and Nikki to be out in a real hit, young, hip, young act and doing what they do. And I, but I try and explain to them all the time. I said, you know, as, as much as you're reaching for that holy grail and that brass ring and everything that you're chasing and running after, realize what, what's the top prize of America's Got Talent? A residency on the Las Vegas Strip. Right, you know, so right. what do you guys do for a living? You have a residency on the Las Vegas Strip. So you're, you're there. You know, the, you're, you're already in your career, which is a great career. You know, take advantage of it. Be great at what you do. Make the people really happy. And, you know, our, our big disappointment comeback uh, that we have a problem with is we didn't have the hit record. I mean, when people say, "Who to you, who's the greatest magician in Las Vegas? My answer is me. <laughs> I am. Because I took five kids that had no hit record, no experience, nothing, and got them to where they're headlining on the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, all done with mirrors and studio guys in the beginning and whatever I had to do to make this thing work and, and one-nighters, a million one-nighters along the way, and here we are. And I say to the kids, so we never had the TV shot. You know, when you go, Matt Frank was a brilliant magician who we work in the same room as him. You know, Matt won America's Got Talent, and he'll have 600 people every night in the room because he was in front of a mil millions of people. Right. Whereas we'll play to 200 people and 20 of them would say, I never heard of you guys. Oh my, this is a great show, but I never heard of you guys. And it's like, you know, we, we just have to work twice as hard as everybody else. Well, it is a great show. And I think a lot of that goes to the fact that what you did for a living, you get it. Because like, I got to entertain somebody. And that's why yeah. it's been able to last as well as it has. And people talk about it all the time. Because right. I imagine these shows around here... Sometimes they come and go, you know, or it has a little season, that's it. Yeah. 
I talk to people that say, I want to see the Bronx Wanderers again and again. Yeah. I, I, I have the toughest time understanding that. I, I get it. I, I'm assuming from what we talked about earlier, the whole taking you back to your youth and seeing the home movies and, seeing, and you're seeing your own home movies. So people want it that that young feeling of, of whatever they experience in their own mind when they see us. But believe me when I tell you I'm on that stage night after night and I go, I don't get it. <laughs> as much as I'm the guy doing it, I don't get it because I want, you know, and I fight with the producers all the time, but it's money and we don't have the money. We're not a big budget show. You know, when I go see a show like Siegfried and Roy or when I, when I go see, you know, a Cirque show, right. you know, Beatles Love, oh, there's a hundred dancers, there's lights everywhere, lasers going crazy, flash pots, you know, shooting in the air. I'm like, this to me, that's Las Vegas. With our show, you got six guys, you got five kids on stage and an old guy in the middle. And I go, okay, <laughs> what? Where is it? Where's the girls? Where's the, where's the flash? Where's the, you know, you know, poof, give me something exploding once. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, you got the best show. I'm coming to your show again. I'm like, why? Why? Go go down the block. I'm telling you. Go see the Beatles. That's a great show. You know, any of those other shows, the, the people are so talented. I mean. No, it, it is. But I think there's something about the music you play and the yeah. way it just makes you feel, you know. Yeah. People like that. And maybe they're not going to make the trip just to see the Bronx Wanderers, but that's going to be on their list. And I yeah. think it's well worth it. Ticketmaster, Vegas.com, any one of those great and sites. And you've got a website, too. TheBronxWanderers.com. That's an easy one. I'm telling you, folks, you're going to love this. This is a show you don't want to miss. Thank Finney, you, thanks Steve. So Steve, much, thank man. you so much for having me. Appreciate this is it. awesome. Thank you. Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier, is back again. Last week, Eddie talked about wineries to visit in France. Today, we head south. And then there's Italy, and that's a whole, I mean, we can't get any started with that. They've got like 900 grapes growing over there. You know, so you got to go to uh, the Piedmont region where Barolo and Barbaresco are their famous stars. You want to go to Chianti where Sangiovese is a star. And you want to try the Chianti Classicos and go to the town of Greve, G-R-E-V-E. And and then, you know, the then you go to southern Italy and you go to Sicily, you know, then you can go to, you can go to Greece and the island of Santorini. The island of Santorini makes a wine called Assertico, A-S-S-Y-R-T-K-O. Fabulous stuff. And, you know, people think Greek wines are all full of resin and pine. No. Thanks, Eddie. Join us again next week and you'll meet a lover of dogs and the voice of Vegas rock dog radio, Sam Ratcliffe. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great weekend. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas, here we go!